Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I see all these Twitter posts about, got it my first try on the Arena Open, third try on the Arena Open. I finished at 2.30 a.m. last night after eight bullets, so all you people out there that are struggling, you are not alone. Wow, eight times the charm. I'm very impressed that you stuck with it. I think I definitely would have thrown in the towel before then. I was strongly considering it. I was definitely on my last try, I think, although I probably need to do some self-examining about never allowing myself to gamble ever on anything after last night, so... I don't know. But yeah, I had a long day at Indianapolis, drove back, uh, got home at like 6 p.m. and played Magic <laughs> all evening. All right. <laughs> all evening and into the night. And now just back at it again. Yeah, we, so we're recording this on Sunday morning, day two of the Arena Open. Ben, did you know that we're going to have basically our two highest stakes drafts of this format in the same day? Day two of the Arena Open and the Lowell versus LR showdown tonight. I am ready to crush it. I am thoroughly in tune with magic right now after all the playing I did yesterday. Not so much in tune with rest or sleep, but definitely in tune with magic. Definitely in tune with magic. I got all the bad luck out of the way. It's going to be smooth sailing from here on out. You love to see it. All right. Well, this week we're going to be talking about black in Neon Dynasty. And I think sort of building on last week's point about how we were happy with all four black decks, and I think just sort of diving into each of those, what makes them tick, diving into, you know, the color itself, why it's so strong, why it's so flexible, all that good stuff. I think there's a lot of fodder for discussion in terms of figuring out uh, how black works in this format. But before we get into that, we got some housekeeping stuff to take care of. First things first is the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. Of course, the show will always be free, but we got a lot of week perks over at the patreon page anything from access to our lords of limited discord 24 7 limited tech support great resource on the internet for limited junkies out there um, all the way up to coaching sessions with me or ben each month um, and a lot of great stuff in between that so if you're interested in giving back to the show if you're interested in some additional lol perks check out the patreon page and of course we want to welcome our new patrons to the fold the first week that they join so this week we're welcoming frank peter garrett guillaume brandon jake Joseph, Felix, James, and Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah. Cannot say thank you enough. Cannot say thank you enough again to all the mods that were fielding questions on day one of the arena open about sealed pool builds. I got a chance to respond to some people in the discord and on Twitter, but certainly not as many as I would have liked. In addition to that huge shout out to the mods show is also brought to you by channel fireball channel fireball.com best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. We've got Kamigawa Neon Dynasty out right now, which means that if you're ordering any sealed product, any singles, you need to be heading over to the Channel Fireball Marketplace and using code LOL, all caps, to let them know that we sent you over there. And in addition to that, I think CFB would be very happy with this, given how much they're trying to support local game stores. News came out that the Streets of Nukapena pre-release is coming out in paper before digital. So mark your calendars for the weekend of April 22nd. And head on over to your LGS, whether that's near Channel Fireball or wherever you're residing. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Ben? Are you going to are you going to break out to your LGS and do a little paper pre-release? Oh, heck yeah. It's required as a content creator, right? This is the thing that would yeah. motivate me to go to a paper pre-release as opposed to just streaming all day in my apartment by myself. <laughs> just taking <laughs> so the thanks, Watsy bait right there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. All right. So arena open day two today. Do you want to take a look at my draft log, Ben? Absolutely. All right. Let's dive into... 
my first high stakes draft of the day here. Day two of the arena open. You open your first pack and see the following cards as options. You have not one, not two, not three, but four of the top blue commons in the pack. We've got the Modern Age, Network Disruptor, Moonsnare Specialist, the Ninjutsu Bounce Creature, and Moon Circuit Hacker, the Ninjutsu Draw Card Creature. So those are the commons that are in consideration in the pack. And where are you at in terms of the top one of those four? I don't know. I would be miserable (laughs) making that pick. I literally could toss a coin and you could give me any of the four. I think I would take the modern age because I would assume that ninjas is going to be pretty contested. But I don't know if that's right. Maybe you're supposed to just take network disruptor and assume that, you know, it's the winningest of those commons, I think, still, and that you're going with what the data says. I don't know what I would do. And I would be miserable that I was taking a blue common and passing three other good blue commons. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I, I Like I said last week, I feel like the modern age has a higher floor than network disruptor. And so I'm on that as the best blue common. Um, but network disruptor certainly has a higher ceiling and it does feel bad passing the three other ones if you're taking one. Let's see if there's anything else that we have as options in the pack. There is in the uncommon slot, we've got a seismic wave. That's two in a red instant, deal two damage to any target and one damage to each non-artifact creature target opponent controls. Where are you at on seismic wave? I think I've been a little too low on it. It kind of crushed me yesterday a couple times in the arena open day one sealed. It just picks off things like virus beetles or fangs of Shigeki or network disruptors. Well, no, it's not an artifact, but no, <laughs> not virus beetle or network disruptor. But yeah, sure. <laughs> so picked off my fang of Shigeki a couple times okay. yesterday. Yeah. I think it's probably better than Kami's Flare. I don't know. It's really close. It's three mana versus two mana, but I think I've been underrating it a little bit. Yeah, I think I have too. Um, there's also an enthusiastic Mechanaut adding more blue cards to the pool here. Blue red for the 2-2 artifact creature with flying and artifact spells you cast cost one less to cast. And you got a mythic rare here, but it's no good. Hidetsugu consumes all. Saga, chapter one, destroy each non-land permanent with mana value one or less. Chapter two, exile all graveyards. Chapter three, it flips into Vessel of the All-Consuming. It's a 3-3 trampler. Uh, Whenever it deals damage, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. And when Vessel of the All-Consuming deals damage to a player, if it has dealt 10 or more damage to that player this turn, they lose the game. So Mythic, not in consideration here. I think it's back to the blue commons. And it sounds like we're both landing on Modern Age. Yeah. Is there any thought to like the fact that you need to try to spike the draft? And so you're supposed to take Network Disruptor to try to get a nuts ninja deck? I don't know. Is that that's not really how you're supposed to draft these things is it i don't know you have to get eight wins you have to get eight wins yeah maybe i am supposed to try and spike the drafts and take disruptor i hadn't considered that at the time i just feel like modern age lets me i don't know am i really that mad about playing modern age in my blue black deck no i love that card there and no like, you're not i think it's any a, it's... other deck i'm gonna be happier with modern age than network disruptor i think yes i agree modern age is a super duper solid pick and i think it's what you're most in tune with so i think you should just do you Right. Yeah, that's fair, too. I think there's there's definitely value there. All right. Pack one, pick two. The rare is missing, but you see the following cards as options. Uh, I think the only common in consideration is Moonsnare Specialist. I guess there's also Master's Rebuke. So we've got the Bounce Ninja again, and then Master's Rebuke is one in a green instant. Target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target creature or Planeswalker you don't control. Uh, and then the saga still here, Fall of Lord Kanda, but we know that I'm not taking that. There's a Norika Yamazaki, the poet, to an white 3-2 legendary creature human samurai with vigilance. And when a samurai or warrior you control attacks alone, you may cast target enchantment card from your graveyard this turn. 
And there's a flame discharge. X and a red instant deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker. If you control the modified creature as you cast the spell, it deals X plus two damage instead. Yeah, I think this pretty quickly narrows down to Moonsnare Specialist versus Flame Discharge. And there's maybe something to be said for like wanting to get into red because you feel like it's going to be underdrafted on this day two thing because people are going to know what's up. But I think after picking the Modern Age, you're just supposed to follow it up with Moonsnare Specialist. And I assume knowing you that you did not experience any regret about not taking Network Disruptor, but me being me, I am full of regret (laughs) about us not having a Network Disruptor. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about when I took when I take Modern Age first, like it feels like it's pretty likely one of those three wheels. And maybe that's an argument to take Disruptor because it's like likely someone picks Modern Age and then you're likely to get one of the two ninjas. And so Network Disruptor is better there as well. Um, but no, I didn't feel any regret. I was just like, eh, whatever, I'm taking a, a good common follow up to my Modern Age. It's not, it doesn't feel great to start your draft off with two commons in this format. But, you know, what can you do? But I think if you're doing it, Blue is a good color to be doing that in, either blue or black. Mm-hmm. Uh, pack one, pick three. We've got a Jungle Hollow, the black green uh, ETB gain land. We've got Jukai Preserver, three and a green, three, three. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, put a plus minus one counter on target creature you control. It has channel for two and a green, discard it, put a plus minus one counter on each of up to two target creatures you control. I would say that this card has kind of underwhelmed me. I think, you know, remember when we were talking about like this versus Geothermal Kami is like, it's hard to imagine two four drops as being like the top green commons. I think Kami has won out pretty handily. I agree. Moving on to the uncommons. We've got two that I'm looking at here. One is Prosperous Thief, two in a blue, three, two. Human Ninja with Ninjutsu, one in a blue. And it says whenever one or more ninja or rogue creatures you control deal damage to a player, create a treasure token. And there's also Goshintai of Shared Purpose. This is the white shrine creature, three and a white, one, three with vigilance. At the beginning of your end step, you may pay one. If you do make a one, one colorless spirit creature token for each shrine you control. Yeah, this is an interesting pick here. I think you quickly narrow it down to Prosperous Thief versus the Goshintai of Shared Purpose. How close is the white shrine for you? I think pack one, pick one, you're on the white shrine there, right? I am not personally, but... I'm not happy about taking Prosperous Thief first, but I've been impressed with Prosperous Thief. My feeling about the format right now is I'm not crazy about getting into white as a base color usually, and I am not really crazy about shrines as like an, a game one plan. Even though I think the white shrine is the best one, I still I, they don't feel that good to me so far. Interesting. Yeah, I think for me, I've got Goshen Tai like a tier above prosperous thief so this is a harder pick for me i think i would ultimately Mm -hmm. land on the prosperous thief just at a high stakes event i think i'd want to solidify myself in a blue you know you've got two ninjas already you've got a clear direction but i would be a little sad about passing the white shrine yeah well you would love to feel regret as you pass cards (laughs) in in magic uh pack one pick four best common in the pack is fang of shigeki single green one one enchantment creature snake ninja with death touch um there's only one blue card in the pack and i'm not taking it it's spell pierce and I don't even think there's anything. I mean, I guess there, the other card I was looking at was Kamano faces Kakazan. Single red saga. Chapter one, deal one damage to each opponent and each planeswalker they control. Chapter two, when you cast your next creature this turn, it gets a plus or minus one counter and it flips into a two two with haste. It says whenever a creature dealt damage would die this turn, you exile it instead. Um, but, you know, I just had our our voice from like the past two weeks ringing in my head of like, this is, this is a C plus or whatever when you're in red, but it's not a reason to draft red. Yeah, I think so. The cards that are in consideration for me, one of them you didn't even name. Actually, two of them I'm kind of looking Ooh, at. OK, so you're already dead in theory, like blue, black ninjas mm-hmm. like wants that card, I think, because you want to put your opponent into a catch 22 that gives you an opportunity to get into black, maybe. 
I feel really strongly you should not take you are already dead as your first black card. Yeah, that's probably true. I'm just eyeing it and thinking options here because you don't have a great pick, right? Spell Pierce is the only blue card in the pack. So you're not taking a blue card. So you're branching out into another color here. Sure. But like, I mean, we're talking about you are already dead versus the top green common in Fang of Shigeki. Like that feels fine to me to take fourth. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think Papercraft Decoy also just as a way to stay Mm -hmm. colorless here, maybe to get into some artifact shenanigans. That's the two mana two one where when it leaves the battlefield, you can pay two. And if you do, you draw a card. Oh, yeah. And I always forget that it's leave the battlefield. So it is good with ninjutsu. Right. I think I would land on Papercraft Decoy. And for me, it's between Decoy and Kamano Faces Kakazan, because I also think Fang of Shigeki is a C plus and Mm -hmm. getting into green for a common feels pretty terrible to me yeah. because you really want the uncommons in green so and if you take the kamano faces kakazan you have a chance to wheel the 2-2 artifact yep. mechanaut yep. thing yep but i think ultimately i would just land on papercraft decoy and be a little conservative in the spot yeah i think there's arguments to be made for all three of those cards i felt like it was a little too early to take a card as low power as decoy i think with two ninjas and if i at the time i had remembered that it's leave the battlefield i, I don't know for some reason i've just shortcut that to be when it dies but it's leave the battlefield and so with the two ninjas i think that's pretty darn good and i agree with your sentiment of fang of shigeki is a c plus getting into green for commons um i think is kind of awkward i've had multiple people in coaching sessions this week being like hi everybody says that like green is great but i keep drafting green and not doing well with it and i look at the decks and i'm like the problem is that these are all commons and so it's easy to draft green at a table with like two other green drafters and make playables because green's commons run deep but the power of those commons, like they're all C's down the road, right? But you don't want to have a deck full of C's. Correct. Um, So I landed on Fang of Shigeki here, but I think any of those three makes sense. Um, Pack one, pick five. Again, no real good blue cards to speak of. Guardians of a Barrow, that's the three mana, three, four defender and modified creatures you control can attack as though they didn't have defender. And then Awakened Awareness is the enchantment that's basically just Kazmina's transmutation and sheep's clothing. (laughs) Um, The best card in the pack or best cards in the pack are Uncharted Haven, which is the land enters the battlefield tapped, choose a color and it taps for that color. And Imperial Oath, five and a white sorcery, create three, two, two white samurai creature tokens with vigilance and scry three. There's another one I'm eyeballing here that you didn't name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Searchlight Companion. Yeah, Searchlight Companion, the three mana one, one flyer. When it ETBs, you create a one, one colorless spirit creature token. I don't know what I would do here. I think it's any of Oath, Searchlight Companion and Uncharted Haven. And I think you could make cases for all of them. Oath is the best card of those three right uncharted haven gives you some flexibility over the course of the draft if you expect maybe to get into green and want to splash things although i don't think blue in particular is that interested in splashing but you never know what's going to come up i mean uncharted haven is always a fine pick and i think searchlight companions the most conservative pick you could make here but it does play well with your prosperous thief and your moon snare specialist and you could be some sort of a, a slightly more controlling blue ninjas deck with the companion as an enabler i think i would take oath here but it's close for me. Yeah, I just wanted to take what I thought was the most powerful card. And Oath is like very splashable. And it's early enough that like if I take Oath and figure out what my open actual two colors are um, and I can find some fixing for it. So I took that. I like taking the card worth splashing before taking a card like Haven. But I agree. I, I think Search Like Companion, I don't know, again, much like taking Decoy last pick, it felt like maybe too weak. But maybe Search Like Companion is just good. I haven't played blue enough 
to know, to be honest with you, which I feel terrible saying as a podcast co-host, but I just <laughs> have not played blue that much in this format because it's felt pretty contested. And similarly to red, in some ways, it feels dangerous to go down the ninja's route because it's so doing its thing, you know, a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of red, next pack, what is this still doing here? The rare is still in the pack. It's Ogre Head Helm. It's one in red for a 2-2 artifact creature equipment ogre. It has reconfigure for three. And it says equipped creature gets plus two, plus two. And when it or equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you may sacrifice it. If you do discard your hand, then draw three cards. Yeah, that is absurd for that to still be here. I mean, I know people are down on red, but that is egregious in my opinion. And I would take Ogrehead Helm here. I mean, there's no blue cards in the pack. You're looking for a direction that seems like a great direction. Yeah. And I'm now thinking like, well, maybe the the Mechanaut wheels, right? The blue red uncommon, or maybe Kamano faces Kakazan wheels. Like maybe I'm at a table of seven people who hate red. That would be great. That would be so, excellent. Yes. So pack one, pick seven. I picked up a Simeon sling in a pack with the rare still here, which is Rona Asari Commander. This is the one red, white, three, three with haste. When it deals combat damage to a player, if it doesn't have an indestructible counter on it, put an indestructible counter on it. And whenever combat damage is dealt to you, remove an indestructible counter from this creature. So is there any thought here seeing that rare still in the pack to taking the rare and abandoning ship on the modern age prosperous thief and moon snare specialist well if simian sling wasn't here yes i would do that i really don't want to draft red white right if at all possible i think this rare is very good i've played with it before but like i i just really don't want to draft red white if i can help it yeah Makes sense. Uh, pick eight. I ended up taking a Tawashi Song Shaper, one in a red 2-2 artifact creature. When another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, it gets plus one plus oh until end of turn. And then I've got good news and I've got bad news, Ben. Pack one, pick nine on the wheel. We do get Enthusiastic Mechanaut, the blue red 2-2 uncommon. That feels great. But all three of the other blue cards are gone. Ooh, less excited about that. Yeah, so I grabbed the Mechanaut here and I was like, okay, I guess I'm gonna be blue-red, even though it feels like blue will be probably contested with all three of the other commons missing. But then, I mean, we'll, we'll link the draft log for folks who want to follow along or, or check out uh, what happened. And then, you know, by the time you see it, you'll be able to see my record as well with the deck. Um, <laughs> no pressure. But, uh, <laughs> no pressure, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I thought I was blue-red through basically pack two until deciding that, like, White was where I needed to be. I ended up getting two other copies of Imperial Oath, a pack three, pick seven, Machiko's Reign of Truth, and like a, a wield Era of Enlightenment. So I have a blue-white deck with basically one removal spell in Tamiyo's Completion, but like a lot of good cards. I mean, three Oaths is good. I've got, you know, Mind Link Mech as a good blue vehicle rare. I've got a lot of Sagas, two Moon Circuit Hackers. I have two Hotshot Mechanics to maybe enable those Moon Circuit Hackers on turn two. but Eh, blue white is not a great spot to be in yeah you had a very difficult draft it was super interesting i liked your draft a lot i was, I was happy with how i navigated i think moving off of red was correct which was makes me sad because i got a scrap welder as well i love that card but <laughs> couldn't make it work here so uh hopefully yeah i i don't think you know i'll be happy to get some gems today i will be shocked if this deck gets to six or more wins that's about how i feel about mine as well i heard some podcasts that told me that didn't need any removal. So I have zero removal spells. I was desperately looking for removal in packs two and three, but none came my way. Well, I have the Boseju land, so I have a piece of interaction, but there you go. It's going to be going to be tough going. I have a lot of good green cards, a lot of green sagas, but not a lot of interaction. All right. Well, good luck to you. Good luck to me. And we're going to take a quick ad break and be back to talk about black in Neon Dynasty. 
This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships take work. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, but how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? Uh, I've talked about this on stream a lot this year because I've been undergoing some some physical health changes. 2022 has been rough for me. And it's been hard to like remind myself, hey, you don't have to stream today or you can take a break or take it easy or, you know, request to not have to write an article this month or whatever, you know, stuff that that has been tough for me to sort of you, know, you feel like get a muscle through. And it's been hard for me to remind myself that, like, I got to take it easy sometimes. This month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of your most important relationship, the one you have with yourself. Whether it's hitting the gym, making time for your haircut, or even trying therapy, you are your greatest asset. So invest the time and effort into yourself like you do for other people. And I've talked about it as well. I think at this point in my life, I'm pretty happy. But rewind to two or three years ago, and I was pretty unhappy. And I think you could attest to that. You know, I've oftentimes made you my therapist. And so now I'm better about taking time for myself, maybe saying, you know, I'm going to take a personal day off of school because a lot of teaching is giving to other people. And I think if I were two or three years ago in that same mental state and had known about BetterHelp, I would have absolutely started trying therapy because I'd be way more comfortable in the online environment. Yeah, BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Lords of Limited listeners get 10% off on their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Lords. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Lords. And now back to the show. So we're going to dive into black and what makes it tick here. So just starting off with a big picture question of you start drafting black. What can you expect to get from black, especially at the common and uncommon level in this format? I mean, a lot of really good stuff. Ben outlined most of our show notes today, and I was shocked (laughs) <laughs> amazed to see you referencing so much 17lands.com data. You big data boy now. I am not a big data boy, but it's what the people <laughs> want. And I feel like I have a duty to not just ignore it. Just me personally, it's not of that much interest to me because I feel like it takes away a lot of what I enjoy about magic and makes it a little more absolute as far as figuring out what's good and what's what to do in a certain spot, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, it's just it's just information, Ben. It's not, you know, it's not the be all end all. And I do think <laughs> the information that it gives us about black at common is pretty Im- impressive, right? We have Virus Beetle currently the number one common, not only in black, but overall on 17lanes.com. Now, some of this, like stuff like Virus Beetle being so good and Network Disruptor being the top performing blue common, some of this is juiced in terms of game in hand win rate because of ninjutsu. Because every time you pick up those creatures and put them back into your hand, it counts as another instance of drawing them. And you're, you know, when you're ninjutsuing things back, especially if they have ETBs, you're probably winning. So these stats are a little juiced for those cards. Juiced. I love it. Um, Okiba Reckoner Raid coming in hot at number two. And Twisted Embrace number six. So that's number one, two, and six of the top 10 commons overall in the format. And that's number one, two, and three, obviously, for black itself. So you're getting, 
you know, there's not really any other color that can boast that. I mean, blue has whatever the number four, and then maybe it looks like eight, nine, ten of the commons. But that's a pretty darn good showing for black. Right. And they're all above a 60% win rate. So they matter a lot. And it matches up with my experience as well. Like virus beetle, every time I cast it, I feel great. Every time my opponents cast it, I feel terrible. Less so on Okiba Reckoner raid. When I cast it, for some reason, I don't know what I'm doing wrong to make that card not great. But every time my opponents play it, I'm like, yep, that's a great card. And somehow mine end up underperforming. So I don't know what I'm doing wrong in deck building to not maximize that Mm. card. But uh, I've been underwhelmed with that one on my side of the battlefield. But I do trust the data and, you know, playing against the card to know that it's very good. Yeah, I think it's important there to to reference the win rate there that they're all above 60%. That's huge for commons, right? Like, that's really, really high. Just gigantic, yeah. Just like give give folks uh, an idea there. So those the top six performing commons overall are sixty percent or above, and then only three are in the fifty nine percent range, and then like you know, then it gets into a bunch at fifty eight, maybe somewhere in the eight range. So there there's like a a big whatever a big drop off in each of those chunks there. So having six and and three of those six be in black above 60% is really powerful. Right. And so I think that is the most appealing thing about getting into black early is that you can expect to see commons that are going to actively improve your deck and actively improve your win rate. And I think it's important to note that as we talked about last week, all four black color pairs are good decks or decks I am happy to play. I think you have this a little later, but I think it's, it's worth talking about here. Maybe a rough order of green, black as the top preference, then blue, black, then red, black, then black, white. I might even bump red, black ahead of them. Um, but they're all really strong decks and all have a lot of play to them. I think that's one of the reasons they're so good. And you know, when we go back to your um, your idea of this spectrum of things from like, you know, red artifact stuff to green enchantment stuff and black being in the middle. That's one of the reasons I think black is so good in this format is it doesn't pigeonhole you into an all or nothing kind of strategy. And it can do a lot of different things, even in terms of being paired with, you know, you can have more assertive black white decks, you can have more grindy black white decks, you know, depends on how many Kami of Terrible Secrets you get. Does that make you want to do the artifact plus enchantments package in each of those colors? Are you doing, you know, a lot of loops in your green black deck, whatever, like the, the decks look different draft to draft. Right. But the common thread that they all have is a lot of powerful cards. And while you're taking those powerful cards, they afford you a lot of flexibility in the draft, which is something that you and I would normally be salivating over. And for some reason, that hasn't clicked with me as much because I've been so busy taking green uncommons. But after after the uncommons have started to dry up a little bit in green, I do think black is really, really good. Yeah. And in that same vein, you had kind of touched on this last week, but you already had black as your number one color when we did our episode last week. And I wasn't quite there yet. And I think the format is probably shifting around to where the green uncommons are going early enough that you can't reliably get them here. And I do think black is pretty hard to not get good cards when you're drafting black. So it's got all of the best sagas I think past green and maybe even better sagas than green has. And it's got uncommons that play very well in a variety of different strategies. So you get, again, that power level at saga and at uncommon, and you get cards that go well in a lot of different decks. Yeah, for sure. So life of Tashiro Umazawa, long reach of night. I mean, we talked about the commons and apparently more data from Ben. It has the second, third and fourth highest performing gold on commons on 17 lands in Gloom Shrieker, Silver Fur Master and Oni Cult Anvil. 
And those are performing well on the uncommons list also. So, you know, you get yourself in a black and then you get some time and then you see one of those cards and boom, pop it and lock it. Then you can start drafting that black color pair. So it provides the best commons or, or, you know, the ceiling of the best commons, some of the best uncommons and a lot of flexibility of what colors you're happy pairing with black during the course of the draft. Yeah, which is great. So you have this point a little bit later, but I want to touch on it now. We keep talking about like, okay, the top, the top commons, you know, these are black gives you like really good commons, but the commons in this format are not really what are dictating good decks, right? That is my thought. Yeah. I think most of the decks in the format, with the exception of a couple really revolve around the uncommons, you know, if you want to say Prince or Popper, whatever the, what is, what is the peasant? It's a peasant format, right? Yeah, that's I think I was going to ask you because it doesn't feel that they're not bombs, right? But they're all like B pluses. You know, you're 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 getting like these cards that are really, you know, they're two for ones, three for ones, like value engines, but they're not like, oh, God, I need to kill this thing immediately or I lose. It's just like, oh, over turns. This is just accruing a lot of value. Yes, that's very much what I felt playing sealed last night was that I had a lot of good cards in a lot of my sealed pools, but so did my opponents because everybody's opening a bunch of uncommons and there's so many good uncommons that decide the fate of the game. Behold the unspeakable like as good as I thought it was in draft, it's just like backbreaking in sealed. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Um, so let's talk about the black decks and, and what our experiences with them are, what how we're getting into them, all that good stuff. Well, you are Mr. Black Red, which we know, I think from previous episodes and just drafting the format is Artifacts R Us. I mean, if you're Black Red, you want to have Artifacts Synergy. Okay, so... This deck is, I mean, to call this a black-red deck is perhaps not super fair, right? Because it's it's more red than black a lot of the time. But I will say the biggest pull into this deck for me is the Oni Cult Anvil, right? That's the card that makes me want to draft black-red the most. Yes, that makes total sense to me. And I have not actually drafted this yet because I haven't gotten past Oni Cult Anvils. That's not true. I've drafted black-red once, but it didn't have... Oni Cult Anvil's in it. I have not gotten a chance to live the Oni Cult Anvil dream yet. So we've talked about this before, but I think worth repeating, it is most important to have a super duper low curve, right? Your curve should essentially stop at three CMC. Like you can have a couple fours. You can have like a Twin Shot Sniper or a Twisted Embrace or whatever. But the reason you want your curve to be super duper low is generally to just take advantage of Experimental Synthesizer, which is one of the biggest reasons to draft you know red period but also to get into this deck right so we know black red is artifacts let's i mean virus beetle obviously slots right in there you would probably Mm -hmm. play a twisted embrace if you needed to but that makes the mana a little awkward because generally the deck wants to be heavier red how do you feel about okiba reckoner raid in black red decks are you playing every copy you get every single copy the reason is is because i think red black decks in my experience mostly play out like chip damage decks i mean they're aggro decks but you know we're looking at a deck with like super duper low curves whatever all these one drops so they're aggressive decks for sure but they also have the ability to push damage to have reach with you know drains with oni cult anvil your dragon spark reactor is sitting around waiting to pop off you know your simian slings are just accruing those little chip damage points and i think you're getting that as well from okiba reckoner raid so while it's like sort of awkward to have a black one drop in your red based deck i still think it provides enough value that i would be hard pressed to cut any copy in a black red deck Right. So basically, the deck's game plan is you're trying to get in the first, what, eight to 12 points of damage pretty easily. And Mm -hmm. then you've got the tools to push 
to last seven or eight points of damage, which does get tough against some of the green cards that gain you life. But the deck mm-hmm. definitely has ways to grind after the game stalls out, specifically if you have the Oni Cult Anvil. Yeah, those chunks of three life from like Azusa's Many Journeys or Geothermal Kami, they really put a damper on this deck. If you don't, like, it's much less backbreaking or like, you know, feels like you're behind when that happens if you have the the reach if you have the anvil or the dragon spark reactor but when you don't have those pieces that can feel like a whole turn of attacks you have to do or a whole turn of whatever triggers or damage to get through that three life right and it's funny that you know in several of these black decks we're going to look at maybe not several but a couple i think they are not necessarily base black right beyond oni cult anvil you've got that rabbit battery and twin shot sniper are two of the cards that pull you into the deck the most but Mm -hmm. it's important that all of the black cards play great supporting roles for this deck and do that for so many of these other decks as well yeah for sure so i've got a bunch of black red trophy decks here to look at but as we sort of alluded to they're more heavy red than anything and i think it's just interesting to note the kinds of cards that are showing up from black like what is black doing to contribute to this deck so first of all i think understanding that black red is at its core much more base red than black is important. Because I think that might, you know, bump down something like Assassin's Inc. or Twisted Embrace for you in terms of priority for the deck, yeah? Yes, completely. Even though we're seeing, we we are seeing that card, you know, we're seeing Ink in one deck, we're seeing Embrace in another deck, that exists. The other thing that's getting you into this deck is just like raw card quality. So, you know, all of these decks have Oni Cult Anvil, period. But they also have, you know, one deck has Blade of the Oni, that's the Mythic 3-1 Menace equipment that reconfigures for four, turns the creature into a base 5-5 with Menace. Uh, we're seeing the Saga Tribute to Hirobi, that's the two-mana Saga that makes a, a rat under your opponent's control for the first two chapters, then you get those rats and you get a 3-3 Flying Case that can sacrifice creatures when it attacks to draw cards. So you're getting like good, you know, rares, whatever. We talked about commons like Life of Toshiro or Long Reach of Night, Biting Palm Ninjas showing up in, in one of these decks. But a couple cards that are showing up in each of these lists that I think are important to note, obviously Reckoner Raid and Virus Beetle. Unforgiving One is a card that I like in these decks quite a bit. And I sort of touched on this last week when we were talking about this a little bit. This is the Tuna Black 2-3 Spirit with Menace. And whenever it attacks, return target creature card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is the number of modified creatures you control. And the reason this is so good is your one-drop slot is stacked with both creatures that this gets back and creatures that can modify not only unforgiving one, but modify something else as well. Yeah, that makes absolute sense to me. So just looking at these logs a little bit and looking at these decks, would you say that it's fair that the most common pattern for you to get into black red is to maybe take some good black cards early and then realize red's open. And then whether it's an Oni cult anvil that pushes you over the top or whatever to finally lock in black red, it red has to be open. And then you're just playing your good black cards along with red's artifact theme. So the most open color is red, and then you just have good black cards to pair with red, whether that's those top commons or some premium rares and uncommons. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And so I, the, the things that I'm noting are not only Oni Cult Anvil, but as we talked about in the uncommon slot, I'm noting Twin Shot Sniper and Rabbit Battery. I think Rabbit Battery is the number one red uncommon for this deck for me, just because of, of what it does for the deck and in, in terms of consistency and, and that cheap power that you get and then late experimental synthesizers and simian slings so i'm not necessarily like moving into red for those like i'd like to have an inkling of red before taking those but you know i'm also not mad about if i feel like this is a deck i could get into if i've taken some black cards if i see a synthesizer or a sling pick seven i'm happy to pick that up and speculate 
Yeah, that makes total sense. All right, let's talk about Blue Black next. Blue Black is, I mean, nominally ninjas, but I also think it's got some very good control aspects to it as well. And I think a lot of what that is dictated by is whether you have more commons or more uncommons. I think the more on the common end of the spectrum you are for Blue Black, the more interested you are in ninjas and tempoing people out. And the better uncommons you have, the more you can run towards the, you know, probably still have aggro starts, but also compete way more into the late game end of things. And I think from what I've seen, again, I haven't drafted blue black a lot, but I think the deck tends to be much heavier blue than it is heavy black because blue is where all those good ninjas are. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before, but I think important to note that what is this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the top 10 performing commons in the format are blue black. Yes. And what stands out to me most about blue and black is I think it is the best deck that you can get at common in the format. I think that is probably true. Yeah, I think that's true. But then the question is, is that good? Is that something you want to be doing in this format? I don't know. There's a lot of risk reward there, right? If you go down that route, because you do have to get a critical mass of those cheap enablers and the good ninjas. Yeah, which is tough. I mean, that's a lot of like A plus B. You have to like draw them in the right order a little bit. And then also, but like at common, you can contend with a lot of the stuff that, you know, you can out tempo people, you get good interaction from black, at least you get good sagas. Like, we, you know, we're talking about black sagas, blue gets modern age, which is awesome. And it gets behold the unspeakable, which is insanely powerful. Yeah, those are a lot of good cards for sure. Um, the more you head towards the uncommon end of the blue black archetype, I think the more likely you are to be slightly more controlling with your like, you know, with your sagas. I think you're more likely to be a little grindier. And you think about all those insane sagas of Life of Tashiro, Long Reach of Night, Behold the Unspeakable, Modern Age. That's just like value, value, value right there. Yeah. And as far as getting into the deck, I think there's probably a couple different ways to do it. I think you can start blue, you know, like we saw in your arena open and obviously you didn't end up getting into black to pair with your blue but you start with some blue commons and maybe black's flowing and you get into the deck that way it also seems totally reasonable to start with you know maybe good black gun commons black commons and then black dries up and then blue is flowing and you pair blue very naturally with your black cards that's one of the best things about black is that if you start black and you get cut out of it you can go into any other color and still play all those good black cards you drafted. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think like the one exception is Kami of Terrible Secrets, but outside of black red, I think that card is really easy to turn on in the other three decks. All right, so let's take a look at some blue black decks here and see what's making them tick. So neither of these 3-0 decks that I have listed here are ninja necessarily, right? They're not like Nivy... They're not ninja heavy decks. There's a ninja package for sure, right? One deck actually has four copies of Network Disruptor. This must have been from weeks ago. So four Network Disruptors, two Moon Circuit Hackers. So a little bit of a, a ninja package there. The other one has the other one has a Network Disruptor, Dakuchi Silencer, Moon Circuit Hacker, Moon Snare Specialist, you know, a couple of Virus Beetles, Silver Fur Master. So we're, we're getting some ninjas more so in this deck. But again, I wouldn't look at either of these decks and be like, ah, blue, black ninjas, right? It's more blue, black, just really good cards, I think. We are burying the lead on the deck with four network disruptors. There are three Life of Tashiro Umazawa in that deck, as yes, well as the Behold is, the Unspeakable. <laughs> that is also insane, yeah. And and yeah, that is also insane. We had three of those. And one of these decks actually has one of my favorite little packages, which is Containment Construct. This is the two mana two one. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play that card this turn. I mean, this plus the Modern Age, 
is effectively turns modern age into Moldrifter. This with Sky Swimmer Koi is awesome. Three in a blue, three, three uh, with flying. And whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card if you discard a card. Um, it's interesting. This this deck that you keep talking about with the four network disruptors, three life of Tashiro. It has three high speed hover bikes as well. And for the longest time during this draft, I thought I was going to play these two essence captures that I had because I was like, oh, these play well with hover bike. But I just couldn't even fit that into this deck. And I don't even think that card's that good because so many of the things you want to counter are sagas. Yeah, I completely agree. So yeah, so this these decks are much more evenly split in terms of colors, right? I don't think either of the ones we're looking at, and I think oftentimes they're not like ah, heavy blue or heavy black. They, they really have a good mix. And I think that's partially because if the two colors are open, you're going to get really good commons from each color. Yes, the, the blue and black cards just very naturally pair well with each other and they are all of the best uncommons and commons on 17 lands not uncommons necessarily but definitely dominating the top commons list and then Mm -hmm. also have some bangers at uncommon and both of these decks are enabling kami of terrible secrets one with three copies and and the other one only with one but pretty darn easy to enable because there's so many types at common in these uh in these colors right you've got network disruptor as an artifact moon circuit hacker as an enchantment you got really good sagas and two of the sagas are very cheap with reckoner raid and uh and modern age and so it's really quite easy i think to curve into comedy of terrible secrets on turn four and get the card draw off of it yeah and curving into kami of secrets is so important you've heard us you've heard other content creators talk about how good kami of terrible secrets is you have to have the good curve of artifacts and enchantments to really be excited about kami of terrible secrets because you want it to come down on four and do the thing right so when you're looking at this is a really good point, Ben. When you're looking at your types, you know, you can look at if you click on your deck while you're drafting, your arena will tell you, hey, you have this many artifacts, this many enchantments. Make sure you're not counting the stuff that costs four or more. Make sure you're not like, don't you can't you don't really want to count Behold the Unspeakable as an enchantment for Kami of Terrible Secrets. You don't want to count your whatever the shrine steward. Is that what it's called? The three two artifact? Yes. Yeah. So if you're if you're playing that. Don't count that as your artifact because you really want to make sure that you have the stuff before turn four to enable it. Yeah, totally agree. All right, let's talk about your fave deck of the format here, Black Green. Sagas, Sagas, Sagas. If Red Black is Artifacts R Us, Green Black is Sagas R Us and just good cards R Us, honestly. (laughs) Well, that's one of the things that I was noticing. You know, a lot of the times when we do these sort of color breakdowns or archetype breakdowns, we like to talk about, okay, how do you get into the deck? Other than Black Red being like, hey, if I see Oni Cult Anvil, which doesn't even seem like that's that interesting of a take or of a, you know, a piece of advice to be like, move into this deck for this signpost on common. All of my drafts are just like, I'm not shifting my pick orders very much unless I end up in red, right? I'm just taking good cards. I'm just taking raw card quality most of the time. Well, and all those good cards also happen to have synergy with each other in this format. Like all the best cards are intrinsically powerful and intrinsically synergistic, which is why they're so good. Right. So the color pair provides you with you know all the best uncommons, including the most sagas and all the ways to abuse them and also loops, right? You've got Gloom Shrieker, get back a thing, pick it up with Geothermal Kami for just infinite recursion. Season of Renewal plus Colossal Sky Turtle for also infinite recursion. So what you can do is use the Sky Turtle to get Season of Renewal back from your graveyard and then use Season of Renewal to get back Sky Turtle plus a creature or an enchantment and just like keep looping that, which is wildly good. You can also do the same thing with 
Shigeki if you are fortunate enough to open the rare oh, sure. or the green rare that's one and a green two two gives your enchantment creatures plus one plus one and you can pay a green tap it to copy uh, triggered ability from your sagas or other enchantment things going off that is particularly busted in green black with all the sagas that are running around so there's definitely a lot of premium enchantment rares that go well in green black as well wow must be nice to get to play with rares, Ben. It really is. It really is. <laughs> I think, and important to note about this color pair, if you can build it with the enchantment and saga synergy, that's awesome. But I think the deck really is just, you need to have way better cards than your opponents. And, you know, green also gives you Capitec Wrecker. It gives you Blossom Prancer. And yes, we just keep listing off the good uncommons, but the good uncommons are what dictates the outcome of the game so 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 much i just can't say it enough i think those uncommons are phenomenal and they are what the format revolves around and it's different than dominaria in the sense that like dominaria only had a few good uncommons there's just so many good cards in this format yeah and i think it's important here to note like we're talking about again going back to ben's idea of this this spectrum of red artifacts to green enchantments the red artifacts deck really needs to be all in on artifacts for it to sing, I think, for you to take advantage of the payoffs of the Sakenzin Smelter, of the Oni Cult Anvil, of Dragon Spark Reactor, whatever. Green, as Ben is saying here, you can have Enchantment Saga Synergy for sure. And it's hard not to sometimes, you know, Geothermal Kami being at common, picking up cheap sagas, etc. But it doesn't have to be that. Whereas I think the red decks do have to be that. The green decks, and especially black green specifically, doesn't have to do that. It just can do that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, depending on what type of cards you get in the draft, maybe you pick up Virus Beetles and you've got good cheap artifacts. Maybe you've got an Ecologist Terrarium running around because you want to splash something. Green Black definitely easily gives you the enchantments. So if you get the artifacts to go along with that, then all of a sudden you can play Kami of Terrible Secrets in your Green Black deck. Although this deck does tend to have a lot of good fours. So I would say let that come to you rather than trying to go after it in Green Black. But overarchingly, the thing I just want to hammer home about Green Black is just play good cards. Yeah, I think that's really true. And and it can be, you know, it can just be a, a lean, mean Green Black fighting machine or it can be a great place to splish splash around, you know? Yes. So as far as getting into the deck, I think the good green and black uncommons are really how you get in there and the good black commons to a certain extent. But something like getting past a gloom shrieker might solidify you into base green black. And I think the more salty ish you are, you know, if you're in the black green end of the world or you're in the blue black end of the world, a lot of times they end up turning into salty soup if you get the good uncommons. But I think this deck is less open now than it was a week or two ago so if you're in a pod that knows what's up i would make sure that you're prepared for this archetype to be contested if you start down the green black route the days of getting past great uncommon in a row over and over again are over wah wah if, if only there wasn't a podcast out there sh shouting about how good green was then maybe <laughs> we could keep drafting it you know <laughs> yeah for sure so what's going on with these green black decks so both of these seven X decks that I've got here are still from the days when green was wide open. So they are both quite heavy green. And much like we saw in the red black decks, the black is playing a supporting role here. So, you know, I've got literally as only black cards in one deck, double life of Tashiro, gloom shrieker, twisted embrace, long reach of night. And in the other, you know, I've got two virus beetles and a Jinji, the midnight sky that really pulled me into black. So I think, again, a common thread in these these decks and what we're seeing from black here is that maybe it's not necessarily your main color, but it plays the supporting role so, so, so well. And it provides so many cards that pair 
well with what the other colors want because the other colors want things, right? Black doesn't necessarily want something of you. It provides things for those other colors to use. I think that's a really good point, right? So it's like, hey, you need you need interaction, right? We we're talking about how removal doesn't really matter that much in this format, but the things that you do need to kill are generally larger, right? It's not things that die to voltage surge or commies flare. It's it's some larger threats that you need to, to pick off. Well, Twisted Embrace and Assassin's Inc. have you covered. Okay, you need an artifact? Great. I've got Virus Beetle for you. You need enchantments? I've got Okiba Reckonerade for you. Like, I've got, you know, cheap removal if you want a lethal exploit. I've got life gain if you've got a ton of sagas in the, um, I forget what that's called, the, the one in a black trick that gives something plus one plus one lifelink. If it dies, it comes back into play. That's great with your sagas or whatever. So, I think that that's a really interesting point that I hadn't quite pieced together. I was like, oh, black feels so strong. But a lot of these decks, maybe the blue-black decks are the exception, but a lot of these decks are really leaning on the other color. And then black is like, hey, what do you need? I got you. Black's a giver, not a taker. What can I say? Yeah, for sure. All right, last up is black white and much like black green being sagas 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 i think black white is sagas sagas and types more really good sagas in this color pair right so we still have reckon arrayed life of tashiro long reach of night but we have era of enlightenment at common which i like quite a bit and most importantly machiko's reign of truth which i think is like in that upper echelon of top uncommon sagas in the format. Yes. And I think it's two best homes are green, white and black, white for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, You get the value two drops in virus beetle and spirited companion. It's twin. It's really interesting that virus beetle, I mean, I guess it's still probably the ninjutsu juiced stats, but that virus beetle is ahead of spirited companion in terms of game and hand win rate. I think some of that might be black being better than white too. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Uh, You've got a ton of common payoffs for doing artifact plus enchantment matters in Kami of Terrible Secrets. Um, <laughs> so, so funny. I thought this was a typo. I thought it was A plus B, but it's oh. artifacts plus enchantments yeah. <laughs> in our show notes. And I think this deck, one of the things that I like so much about it is that it can operate on different axes. At its base, I think it wants to be on the more aggressive side of things. I think that's where you're taking advantage of, you know, all the best cards we talked about are one and two mana sagas, Okiba Reckonerate on one, and then you're playing Life of Tashiro, or you're getting your Machiko's Reign of Truth going early, Air of Enlightenment, whatever, Spirited Companion, Virus Beetle, all these really cheap two-for-one value cards are so good. But then it can also, because all those things are, are value and built in two-for-ones, it can grind pretty well with the commies drawing you cards, recursion if you have it. But I think it's best to get early board presence and leverage Twisted Embrace and the like for you to really like maximize the deck. But it definitely can can grind, I think. Perhaps not quite as good as green-based decks, but close. Yeah, that checks out with my experience with the deck as well. So this is perhaps the biggest like spread of cards or like deck examples that we have when we're looking at the three black white decks that I've posted in our show notes. There's not really a a theme here of, well, you're always seeing these cards or white is the base color or black is the base color. Again, it seems pretty split. And I think that's partially built into you've got such a good split of one and two mana cards in both of these colors that I think you're often going to be pretty evenly split between black and white. Um, anything else sticking out to you among these three before we like can get into specifics? The thing that really sticks out to me is that you just have such a high density of the top commons and uncommons in both colors. Yeah, I mean, again, I just think that's how you should. It sounds like pretty rudimentary, I guess, but I think that's just how you're supposed to draft the <laughs> format, right? You're supposed to like identify what the good cards are and take them when you see them, right? And like, 
I don't think I'm war- like I said, I'm not really warping my pick order that much. Like you were in Val, like there's not a lot of like hold on for dear life cards that, that you have in this set. Easy, baby. Good game. Draft good cards. You heard it here first, folks. Draft good cards. It's just that simple. Um, You know, there's there is type stuff happening here with Kami of Terrible Secrets, with Naomi Pillar of Order, which I think is like it's a card that once I feel like this deck is open, I'm happy to play. But it's not a card that pulls me into this deck by any stretch. No, certainly not. I think the way that you're probably getting into the deck is starting to take white cards or starting to take black cards and then the other colors open (laughs) and you pair them together and they play well with each other, right? Because you Mm -hmm. don't care. So many of the cards are artifacts or enchantments. And so if you are black, white, so many of the good cards being opposite of each other, you know, virus beetles and artifacts, spirit and companions and enchantment, you just naturally end up with a good mix of artifacts and enchantments. I think if you're drafting the good cards in black and white, for sure. Yeah, no, I think that's totally true. You know, you might you might want to lean a little heavier enchantments if you've got something like a Sky Blessed Samurai, the six and a white four four flyer costs one less to cast for each enchantment you control. You know, you're probably going to want to keep an eye on types throughout the draft, I think, because you're likely to have if you get into this deck, you're likely to either be trying to get payoffs or enable the the, the payoffs for Naomi and Kami of Terrible Secrets. So I just keep an eye on, okay, I'm at six and six, seven and seven. Like you want a nice even split there. If the picks are close, you know, you might take take your second spirited companion over your second virus beetle or whatever, given what your types are like. Right. Or you might make concessions like taking a ninja's kanai instead of a lethal exploit to have a cheap artifact lying around early in the game, things like that. Mm-hmm. You might have a little bit of a samurai package in this deck, a sort of a tax alone package. If you have some Igonjo exemplars because you need the enchantments in the two drop slot, well, then that probably makes you want to play an Imperial Subduer, etc. I've also really liked Imperial Recovery Unit in these decks. This is the two and a white vehicle uh, at Uncommon. It's a 3-4, cruise for two, and when it attacks, you return target creature or vehicle with mana value two or less from your graveyard to your hand. So not only is this a type itself, but... It gets back Spirited Companion and Virus Beetle, which are so easy to find their way into the graveyard that I think this card is actually quite good in this deck. That card keeps savaging me over (laughs) and over again. Yeah, it's good. I mean, like, it's hard when your opponent has those, like, value two drops that you, like, want to not care about. And then they find their way to the yard or whatever. They they attack, chump attack or they chump block and then... They get him back. That feels bad. Well, and the four toughness on the recovery unit is just tough. Like, that's a really good number to have. Like, there's not a lot of removal that just cleanly deals with it. Oh, and the last card that I want to talk about here is Nizumi Blade Blesser. We haven't touched on this. This is another common payoff for the A plus E thing. So two and a black for a three, two rat samurai has death touch as long as you control an artifact and has menace as long as you control an enchantment. And that's like, kind. I think... Getting one or the other is like fine, but when you can turn on both, this card is a, a real problem. Like a, a three two death touch menace is really hard to interact with. But you're not going after that aggressively, right? Because there's only no. so much room for no artifacts and enchantments. I agree. So like the you know, the one deck where I have a copy of that here, or I guess I have two yeah, two decks where I have a copy of that, that's those are the decks where I don't have the Kami of Terrible Secrets and the Naomi. But what's great about that card is you can get it late, right? You should, in theory, whatever, again, I think blue-black is probably a fine home for it too, but you should be one of, if not the only, drafter at the table able to make that card work. And so it's nice when you can get that kind of a powerful card for your deck super late. You get it like 10th pick or whatever. Yeah, that checks out. So those are the four black decks. It's interesting to me looking at these, realizing that like in red and green on the two ends of the spectrum, black seems to be more of a support 
color. And then as we get, you know, more towards the middle when it's paired with blue or with white, that it, it comes into its own. It's able to make, play more of a, a, a main part in the deck. Yeah, I think that absolutely makes sense. Sweet. So before we wrap up here completely, any overarching thoughts on the format? Is it in goat contention for you yet? Anything like that? I don't know. I really enjoy it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, I, I don't know if it's in goat contention for me. I think we. I just got to see like how I feel about it in a month because it's still you know it's early. We've had like a high stakes thing to prepare for with the Arena Open. We've got the Lowell versus LR draft tonight. Like. I feel like there's been a lot of excitement about the format, which certainly feels like it's shifted a little bit from sagas being wide open to perhaps now people catching on. So I'm interested to see like what forms the format takes, but I am really enjoying it. One of the things that I feel like it's lacking is that build around quality. You know, a lot of the things we're talking about today in terms of, you know, I hadn't quite put this into words, but the ideas of just like, my pick orders are not changing that much. I'm not seeing a card and going, Ooh, I want to go after that other than really the red decks that I think that that's a little bit of a miss for me in the format. But, you know, that's a small complaint to have. Yeah, I think I've been similarly enjoying it. The gameplay is fantastically deep. I think that is the number one thing that the format has going for it. I do agree that the drafts tend to be a little more on the straightforward side, but not uninteresting. I think there are a lot of things you can do to set yourself up to have flexibility in the draft. But I think ultimately, it does come down to a lot of playing the best cards. You know, we see these decks that are winning and they've got all of the cards that are at the top of the win rate charts on 17 lands. You know, you've got mm-hmm. the answers of the test and you pick the cards <laughs> that the, the answers to the test gives you and you know you do well on the test. Is that why you don't like the data? Because you're a teacher and you feel like it's cheating on a test? <laughs> yes, I do. I think that okay. is there's some aspect of that. Yes. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what stands out to me right now. And I think the other thing that stands out to me is I just haven't explored a lot in the format because Mm. green was open for so long. And this past week we were preparing for the arena open was sealed. So I'm excited to get back to draft and see how much the format has shifted. I want to draft some blue, black ninjas. I haven't done that yet. So it's lots of things to do on the old bucket list before, uh, I think the format starts to maybe get a little old. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to exploring some more stuff. I, I feel like I got to dip my toe into the shrines thing. I, I feel like I'm, I'm late to the party. I'm missing out on something. So I definitely want to try that out some more. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the coming weeks of the set. Yeah, shrines for sure. I have touched on shrines. I've not gotten a full on shrines deck. So yeah, definitely on the bucket list for the format. And I think there's still tons of room for teaching the format and content creation in the format. So yeah, very jazzed. Great place to wrap us up, as always. Thank you to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thanks so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.